Hey, it's Alexis Haynes, and this is my podcast, Recovering from Reality. Today we are doing a call-in episode. I'm so excited to start doing this with you guys. I really, really believe in connection, and I feel like this is an amazing way to connect with you guys, because often you send me questions, and then I send back answers or post answers on my Instagram stories, and then that's it. But I love to have deeper conversations with people, and I really believe that you get so much more out of hearing people um, rather than just reading something that they put through in text. Um, So today, Bob Forrest is coming on the podcast to answer your guys' questions. I'm so excited to have Bob on. And um, as you know, he is an incredible uh, uh, voice in recovery. He's also the co-founder of Aloe, our drug rehab. Um, And he is just overall an amazing guy and a previous guest. You can go check out his episode, um, which is launched I think just a couple of months ago so here we go with this incredible call-in podcast episode thanks for listening you're on with me Alexis and Bob um what's your name I'm Simone hi Simone nice to meet you what's your question so I was just wondering what your um take and opinions are on um the whole needle exchange um system and you know I've heard a couple doctors like in our area that I'm from Fresno California and we have a really high epidemic also of opiate addiction and recovery issues and so the doctor in our area he runs a a volunteer needle exchange bus so I was just wondering if you guys feel that they are beneficial or counteract the purpose for them what do you what are your thoughts I'll let Bob start. Go ahead, Bob. Well, I love them. They saved my life and and in many different ways. So for in Los Angeles in the 80s and 90s, it was illegal. And there was some brave people that went around Los Angeles and tried to keep the spread of HIV and AIDS and hepatitis C. And also they were sober people, and but they weren't preachy and they were kind and they were thoughtful. And they would say, you know, we could probably get you a bed if you want help, but they would never push it really hard. They would just say, if you ever want to, if you ever want to go to treatment, you know, you can call me. And it was so wonderful. And I can't tell you because you're, you're right on the streets with the addicts who are suffering so much. So, you know, treatment centers nowadays are a 1-800 number, you know, miles and, and, and away from the addicts themselves. With the needle exchange, you're right there with them. And, and it's, it's an amazing thing. And I, I, can't, I can't believe it's still a question. Of, you know, some moralists will say, oh, you're giving away needles encourages drug use. Well, Addicts don't need much encouragement to use drugs. <laughs> I agree. And picking, pick, piggybacking off of what Bob said, um, there is a big, I mean, there are big, uh, just in Venice Beach alone, there are now needles showing up like all over the beaches of Venice Beach. And that is a very real problem. I My husband's from Vancouver, Canada, where they have needle exchanges and safe injection sites. But what I like about that is that it's in one facility, right? So you're actually like exchanging needles or 
are picking up clean needles and then you can go inject in these safe injection sites and they are disposing of the needles properly, which I really think like if we're talking about reducing the transmission of HIV, hepatitis C, hepatitis B, and things like that, then we need to be having this conversation too about like where are the used needles going? And so um, I think that this is a step in the right direction for sure. I'm all about harm reduction and um, I would love to see some safe injection sites starting to go up around the states because I I think that that's the most important thing. Yeah, I'm always the pessimist. Like I would, I've been advocating for safe injection sites in LA for 20 years. I just don't think America is is ready for that kind of thing. But at least it should just be a given that we needle exchanges. And harm reduction are so useful, reduce the rate of, of, of transmittable dis- transmission of disease and does what Alexis said, which is, you know, in the old days, in the 80s in Los Angeles, if you went to certain parts of Los Angeles, there was just needles, uncapped needles in the curbs and the gutters all over the sidewalks. And the needle exchange were actually taking those off the street, keeping the population who's not using drugs away from the exposure to HIV and AIDS and hepatitis C. Yes. And so that if anybody has a problem with it, they're just like ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> Does that answer your question? Yeah. <laughs> Yes, absolutely. And I am in full agreement. Okay, so I'm going to ask one of the questions um, that someone wrote in um, for us. The question was, what do we do? What do I do when I'm killing it during the week and then letting it all go on the weekend? Those weekend warriors, man, I don't know how you guys do it. I just I have no idea how you do it. Well, you know, you want me to address the weekend warriors? So, <laughs> so, uh, you know, forever is a long, long time is one of my favorite sayings. So, yeah, you're able to function and have a job and have an apartment and do coke and drink and be crazy on the weekends right now. Yeah. At 24, say, or 26. <laughs> and based that on the way mean, that they're talking, no, I'm not, I'm not talking that's about 26. You, we know no, you no, no, no. No, I'm just but saying I'm based saying on the way that they phrased that question of like, how do I go from like killing it during the week to like letting it all go on the weekends? I'm assuming you're about like 25, 26, 27 years old. Yeah, me too. <laughs> but, the, but the thing is, in that aspiration to be like that, what you don't have the hindsight or the, you know, the time that I have to see the weekend warriors actually fared worse long term than us junkies in my mm-hmm. circle of friends because us junkies and crackheads and people that had to come to grips and become adults and grow up and get sober the, the weekend warriors never have to fully become adult they kind of function in a a moderate functioning world and their lives are pretty much the same as they were in the eighties and nineties. And the guys, uh, my friends and I who were crazy on drugs, who got sober, our lives are phenomenal and fuller and richer and deeper. Yeah. Because of the recovery process. Right. And unless you're really forced or you, you know, surrender into change, then you have to change every aspect of your life. I mean, that's what recovery is all about. And so if you want that, if you want to change every aspect of your life, if you notice that when you're sober during the week, that you're overly stressed out, that you're uncomfortable, that you're thinking about the weekend, that you're thinking about that next drink or that next high or whatever it is, it's like you don't have to live like that anymore. You can live a completely sober life that starts to get better and better and better 
you know, if you ever decide to take the plunge and, and really get sober. Right. Yeah. So I hope that helps. The weekend, the point is weekend warrioring, if that's a word, warrioring is not something to aspire to. No. That's a teeny, I always think like the, the party on the weekends thing, of course it's a high school thing and it's a, it's a college thing, but mm-hmm. at a certain point in adulthood, 24, 25, 26, 27, shouldn't you be letting go of your adolescent self's ideas yeah. and embracing some more mature adult ideas? Yeah. And this is fundamental to everybody, not just addicts or, you know, but we, we I, you know, my favorite subject is in America, when is an adult an adult these days? Because I come from a generation that when you turn 18, your parents kick you out of the house. Yeah. You're an adult. I don't I'm not responsible for you anymore. If you don't want to live under my rules and go to school and have a job, then get the F out of here. Yeah. Next question somebody had was um, thoughts on enabling someone. And I obviously love your perspective on this. So I'm just going to let you take take us to church, Bob. Okay. well, enabling we all we all do it to one extent or another, but how can you recognize that you're doing it and it's destructive and it's actually a part of the self-destruction of the person, mm. right? So, so like I always say, I'll help you help yourself, but I'm not going to do everything for you. Whether it's with my own adult son, I'll help him help himself. I'll help him if he's helping himself. But when I'm doing all the work, and that gets into addiction treatment in general, if you're the parent and you're doing all the calling and you're walking on eggshells that they will go and you're worrying about getting them cigarettes before they go to the rehab and you're walking all around there, you are enabling and codependent and you need help and you need support. But, you know, pushing somebody and helping somebody like call this number. I talked to this guy and he said that maybe there's a place that you could get help and let the person you work with the person that you love and you care about to help them help themselves. Mm -hmm. But you don't do all the heavy lifting. Right. And you'll know when they're, when they're and what to do when they're not like uh, we always bring up tests, you know, in instance with you and, and Evan, Tess wanted it, but she really, it had to be on her, she had to gain more motivation, Mm -hmm. right? But by being kind to her that day, and I think your listeners know the story, if they don't, I can nutshell it. You and Evan wanted me to do an intervention on Tess. I met Tess, I didn't see a great amount of willingness, and (laughs) I thought it would be best if we just have lunch with her and tell her we love her and we're always around and we want to help anytime she wants help. I just read the situation. You know what I mean? Yes. And so, and it's easier when you're, when it's your husband or kid or or your spouse to know their motivation. So you can, you know, not do all of the work for them because it's going to be futile anyways. A lot of these moms that call all the rehabs for their sons, by the way, Mm -hmm. and they're doing all of the work and they're trying to get them in the right mood to go to treatment and they're calling the treatment center and they're doing the pre-screening and they're getting the money and they're arranging all of that. And by virtue of that, it's probably not going to work. Yeah. It has to be a 50, 50 kind of thing for you to try to help an addict in your life. It has to be 50, 50. They have to be working at it. They have to want it. They have to be willing, not all the way, not like how, 
you know, a lot of the people I worked with want 100% willingness. I don't think any addict has 100% willingness because the drugs are pulling you in that direction. But at least working together to get the person help. Yeah. Hi, what's your name? Oh, my God. Can I just say you, like, inspire me so, so much. I, like, I follow you and, like, I, you are, like, so beautiful. Your soul, like, you, you get me through my days, man. Let me tell you. Oh, thank you so awesome. much. What's your name? That's awesome. My, I mean, like, for real. My name is Bridget. Hi, you're on with Bob and Hi. myself. Do you have a question Hi, for us? Howdy, howdy. Yes, um. I can't even believe you guys answered. It's crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. Yeah. So, ironically enough, um, my my sister, I got a call from my dad last night that my sister has relapsed after 16 months sober. Mm. Um, And, I mean, she's in the hospital right now. She's at Northridge Hospital. And I just, like, I don't know how much more I can take, like, with my family. I lost my mother, like, two years ago. And then it's like, I, I'm so like upset. Like I get it. She's struggling, but like, I'm disappointed and I don't know how to like react to this because I feel like I'm going to lose her nuts and I, my heart just can't take it anymore. Wow. Well, thank you so much for calling. Um, this is such a challenging situation and I know that it's so hard and it was, we were just kind of talking about this with my relationship with Tess after another caller's question and um, the hardest, most difficult thing to do when you're the loved one of someone who is currently using is to acknowledge that um, that their pain is their own and that the reason why she's using is because she's in an immense amount of pain and you can absolutely be your sister's best shot at recovery and Bob and I can get into that in just a second but I just want to first acknowledge your pain and all of the um, emotions you're going through right now of course it is it absolutely is there it is so hard to watch someone suffer and it sounds like you've endured a huge loss in your life and I'm sorry about you your loss of your mom um uh, you know, you. and, and I feel all, you know, all of those feelings that are coming up right now of anger and of disappointment and of how could she and all of this stuff. Um, I know this is going to be kind of hard, hard to hear and kind of brutal, but I just want you to acknowledge that those are your, those are your own feelings and they're your own to, um, own and hopefully like deal with. And if you, go into your relationship with your sister with that energy and with those feelings, she's not going to get sober. Shame absolutely right. cripples us. And when we yeah. shame addicts, they just want to go get loaded. That's just the truth because they yeah. already carry so much shame. And I'm sure that you know this, and I'm just speaking from my experience with Tess. Um, so, you know, and I'll let Bob answer what he thinks the next steps should be. Um, but I just want to let you know that, that there are resources for you right now. Um, you know, because the person to take this like anger, which you have every right to your angry anger, you have every right to every single feeling that you're going through right now. Your feelings are real. They're legitimate. They're yours and do not deny them. I, I, I really encourage you to work through this right now. Um, there is support out there. And so, you know, I I want you to get that. I feel like I'm scared, like that she's nuts. And Mm -hmm. then it's like, and then I feel like, what am I going to start using? Like, oh my God, because then 
if I lose her, that's every woman in my family gone. Like that's, mm. I can't, and she has a daughter. She has a, a 14 year old daughter that my dad is raising and, and he's right. been raising her for the past six years. Yeah. So it's like, it, I'm, I'm angry because she's taking on her responsibility when she was doing so good. She was this close to getting her daughter back. You know what I mean? Yeah. But sometimes we well, self-sabotage. Been, just so, yeah. oh, so hear, hear me now. That might've been why she is because, because addicts are notoriously scared of change, scared of, of responsibility. And so right. she's not maintaining her recovery and then she's going to get her kid back and she starts, you know, I've dealt with this hundreds of times where people are getting their children back and what you recognize is, oh my God, I just got to work a job and go to work and pay for an apartment and be a p- parent. Right. It was almost better when I was in sober living. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> when I yeah, didn't have so any true. responsibilities and I could, you know, yeah. you know, do whatever I was doing. So it is a, it is a, that, those key big life changing things, I don't think addicts, even 16 months sober, appreciate how profound they are. Right. So, but getting back to you, here's codependency in a nutshell. So I have my own unresolved trauma, right? You do, you lost your mother. So, so when you, it's in there and you may function at a high level, but it's in there, all that unresolved grief and, and fear and anger about not having a mom that was real mom and all that stuff is inside you, but you're, you've, you, you have the ability to contain it, compartmentalize it, and function at a high level. Your sister relapsing then triggers all that trauma in you. It really has little to do yes. with her, yeah. right? So it's, it's yeah. stirring up all those feelings of loss and grief. So what I always suggest is, I think for almost all Americans, should go to therapy and explore their trauma, their childhoods, you know, all these things that, because just because you can function at a high level doesn't mean you're well. Do you understand? Exactly. Exactly. I, I mean, and what's crazy is I, I'm, I follow Alexis like crazy. Like I just adore her so much, but I like, I, I, before all of this, my ex of 10 years went and got sober from heroin. I was with them for 10 years. He went and got sober in Orange County and left me after 10 years for a 19-year-old he met in rehab. The worst. And he's, and he's marrying her. On top, on top of it, my mother, alcoholism. My sister, mess. It's like I cannot take any more. Like, I can't take it. Yeah. I know, I know. And that's why you click with Alexis. Yeah. That's that's what you're... You I need to like, go to therapy. I just like every, every single person I love, like, yeah. I just lose them every single time. Yeah. But what I'll say to you is that everybody has, I, I believe personally that everybody comes down here on a soul level, on a spiritual level to process something. And for whatever reason, there is some stuff here for you to process. And please do follow up with me and reach out on Instagram. I'd love to give let's, you some let's resources. Quiz her in how to do it. Yeah. Alexis, let's quiz her in. So do you, do you have health insurance? Do you have a health insurance card? No, I don't have any health insurance. Okay. I like I I did, and then I lost my job. I just started a new one. I'm in computer sales in okay. Silicon Valley. Okay, I'm, when I'm, they get I'm you after that. after the 30 day or 90 day period, and you get a health insurance card on the back, it says yes. mental health mental health phone number. It's one eight hundred number. It's on the uh-huh. back of all insurance cards. 
Call that number. Yeah. Say you have unresolved grief and that you need therapy. And they'll give you three uh-huh. referrals to somebody in your zip code and just go try it. I, it, it takes a lot of motivation yeah. because, you know, you have a job and you're functioning at a high level. Yes. But know that that's the oh, key my God, yeah. <laughs> to dealing with your sister because but I don't sweetie, know that she's going to get sober I, d- I don't know if she's going to either. But, sweetie, did you just say you're in Simi I'm Valley? Exactly. I'm in Simi Valley. Okay. You're in Westlake, yeah. right? Lester? You're gonna you're gonna message me. You're gonna come to one of my groups, Fa- Families United yeah, for Recovery, Wednesday, Wednesday night, night Wednesday in Malibu. Night. You're gonna come to my group, okay? Can you come make that commitment? Group. It's at six thirty in Malibu, okay? If you can reach out yeah, to me I'd on Instagram, yes, it will be so beneficial for you, okay? There's a group, and yeah, then my mom, in. yeah, my mom also hosts an amazing Zoom conference call on Tuesday, and there's an amazing, mm-hmm. it's an amazing resource for families who are dealing with tons of addicts. So in the meantime, while you don't have insurance and you can't afford therapy right now, which is, is very expensive, um, uh, come to this weekly class on Wednesdays. I'm not there every Wednesday, but I will be there tomorrow, Okay, please reach out to me on Instagram and go, go, go. Yes. That'll be so great. That's yeah. the beginning step. And then a lot of your focus on your sister will start to be put in the proper yes. kind of place in your life. Instead I know, of being like, top I, of the list. I know that, like, I've always been like the stronger one in my family. And it's like, I don't, that's fine. I can take a beating. I, I lost, like, the love of my life. Like, I lost my mother at yeah. 28 years old. Like, but I'm not going to lose my sister. Like, I can't do it. Well, here's what I, here's what I'm going to suggest for you. Come to this group tomorrow night. We can talk further about this. And, um, you know, thank you so much for reaching out and for calling in. And and I'm thinking about you. You are so white. Like, you're so inspiring. Like, you're so beautiful and you're such a beautiful mother. Like, everything that you've, um, overcome like you're it's so inspiring i really look up to you a lot thank you so much for reaching out please do message me on instagram so i can get you the address of where to go tomorrow night okay hi jessica how are you i'm doing okay okay what is your question oh i'm good hello yeah i'm good (laughs) sorry um what was your question Um, so i recently um lost my job Um, And I've just been battling some really severe, like, insecurity and anxiety, um, just almost constant to the point where it feels debilitating. Um, I'm having, you know, like, a hard time applying for other jobs. I just feel, you know, like like I'm a failure um, and, like, I'm, you know, just going to be let go of anything, any... um, job that I try to apply to. Mm. Um, so I guess I just feel really lost and I don't even know where to start. Um, I lost my health insurance, so I, you know, don't have therapy available to me as a resource right now. And I don't really know what to do. So I feel, so a couple of things come to mind when I'm listening to, to what you're saying. Um, it definitely sounds like there's some like programming there, like that your, mm-hmm. um, you know, inner child may have some like uh, unresolved work, you know, and, and programming oh, and yeah. belief systems. I mean, I know, I know I do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but, you know, my dad was an abusive alcoholic mm-hmm. um, and, you know, I was 
bullied a lot growing up. And I know that plays into a lot of the negative thoughts that I'm having. Yeah. And the self-esteem stuff too. Um, right off the top of my head, mm-hmm. because you don't have insurance right now, my suggestion was, uh, or is going to be that there's an amazing group um, of people that get together called Adult Children of Alcoholics, ACA. They're great meetings. Um, it's a it's an awesome resource. Um, one thing that I would definitely mm-hmm. encourage you to do um, is, I don't know if you can apply for uh, Medicare, Um, if you can, Mm -hmm. I would try to get temporary insurance right now. So you can go see either a psychiatrist or a therapist. Um, Mm -hmm. but it definitely sounds to me like there's some unresolved stuff going on right now. And I really resonate with that. And I feel that because Mm -hmm. I've been through that and, you know, I, I, I really do, um, feel for you in in that regard i think that um i think that baby steps and just doing the the next right indicated action right now is kind of essential for you and so um Mm -hmm. you know i i really i talk about brene brown a lot i really love all of her books and Mm -hmm. all of her work okay so listen to her all all that you can and um, mm-hmm. economic fear is, is a very real anxiety that a lot of people have. Yeah. And it's something that, um, is super triggering and, and, and often really scary. Um, I think that, um, you know, f- finding work is obviously really important for your livelihood and it's something that you're going to need to do, right. um, for, for right now. But I would definitely check out the ACA meeting for sure. Um, until you okay. have some form of insurance and yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Bob, do you have anything to add to that? Is Bob still on the line? Yeah, I'm on yeah. Line, yeah. Okay. yeah I just, the thing that I always <laughs> think is when you're feeling, um, when you have, a, when you have negative feelings and then they just kind of, you stay trapped in them they kind of just more piles on it cascades and it just becomes overwhelming you were describing all the different feelings like i think we give a lot of times in this modern era we give too much power to anxiety right so that yeah and then you stay home and you don't want to go be around people because you're depressed or anxious and then it just gets Mm -hmm. worse and worse as the days wear on so so i would force yourself like it's almost as if you're fighting for your life you have to force yourself to do things yeah. you know go bowling right. trend, go be around people well, or just go have coffee no matter how torturous it seems because yeah. it really does change your perspective just to take a shower and get dressed and go meet somebody for coffee changes your neurochemistry yeah. But if you stay isolated yeah. and alone, ra- rationalizing, I don't have any money, I can't go. Everybody can go to coffee. It costs $4. You know what I mean? You yeah. don't have to go to sushi. Yeah. You can, but stay active with your friends. And then that that pushes the anxiety and depression. At least it keeps it from swallowing you. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. And these yeah. are practical things that everybody can do. Yeah. And then that hopefully that will give you more confidence to go to a job interview or go apply for a job and stuff like that. But giving these yeah. feelings so much power, I think that's what 
millennials are fall, falling into a trap. Like mm. it's a whole generation. Yeah, thing. you definitely. We've got to acknowledge our feelings, but then it's like, what are we going to do with this? And that's what I mean by like the next indicated yeah. action would be, you know, like tr- doing your best to take care of yourself. And um, mm-hmm. I would definitely start with that ACA meeting and then and then eventually, um, you know, and doing the things that Bob was saying too. you know, not letting this cripple you and yeah. just taking baby steps. Thank yeah. you so much for calling in, Jessica. We really appreciate it. Thanks so yeah, much. thank you so much. Um, just for everything you do, your podcast has been so helpful to me. Um, and I really look up to you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Cool, cool. I think we've got another caller waiting. Okie doke. Hey, Hello. you're on with Hi. Alexis and Bob. Hello. My name is Amber. Hi. 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 What can, can you hear me? We, yes, I can. What yeah, can we do for you? On? Okay. Hi, Alexis. Okay, so my question is actually pretty simple. I've been listening for like 10, 15, and everybody's coming with pretty deep stuff. Um, mine was really simple. But um, I first wanted to say I love the podcast. I love everything you're doing, Alexis. I especially found um, that little um, first bit you did on abortion on one of the podcasts mm. to be so incredible and so comprehensive and so well thought out and not, you know, this party talking point versus this just like so real so i just wanted to say that thank you Um, but my question my question is did you really have to pay orlando bloom like two hundred thousand dollars or whatever (laughs) when you got out of jail how does that work um no i didn't 10%. i know i don't think i even did that i i think that that was fabricated i don't really know exactly how that worked out i know that it wasn't until just recently that i stopped paying court fees um you know uh that i think that number was like as a whole everybody involved and there was so many people involved with that night that there's like a i I don't really know exactly how it works all i know is this that i am so grateful that i finally have paid off all of my court fees and um you know uh, yes i'm so grateful that's perseverance that's that's like it's eight years years. late eight years later later, right mine was like it took like four years i think one of the interesting things is i my bail that was 40 i remember it was forty three thousand. why they make it forty three thousand? i don't know and I thought, oh, I'm never going to get out of here. And then one of the guys in jail said, you only need to pay 10% of that. Ah. So I learned in jail that he, whatever your bail is, the only the amount of money you need to come up with is 10% of that. Yes. But since I didn't even have $43, <laughs> I just remained in jail. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and all that is true. I was thinking of Alexis, like 20, fresh out of jail, finally sober. <laughs> and I'm like, did you still owe Orlando Bloom like hundreds of thousands of dollars? Like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're, you're, um, the time that you do spend in jail, too, goes towards your court fees because that's the thing. We've got a for-profit prison industry that makes money. The courts make money off of how long they incarcerate people, which is a very ass-backwards system. Um, so I don't know exactly how it works out. All I know is that, um, thankfully, the vast majority of the victims got the, the, the majority of their stuff back. And I'm grateful um, for that. And I am um, really grateful to, you know, it's not that I'm moving on with my life. It's just that 
um, I can wish everybody the best and and begin to move on with mine nearly 10 years later. I'm finally, <laughs> I have other debts for sure. I mean, I almost filed I for bankruptcy. For you, yeah. I got a question for you. Yeah. So those few nights over those few weeks of periods of time, right? Mm-hmm. Do you have regret? that you got in the car and went with those guys. Now think about that. Stop and really I know think it's, about that that's such a hard question. I wouldn't be sober. You who you yep. are, that whole yep. experience. I know. And, um, you know, so I, I, I'm writing a book right now and so I'm reflecting on all this stuff. Um, shameless plug. It comes oh, out just in early breath. December. I'm so fucking hyped. I cannot wait. Um, but what I will say is this, I, I feel very, very sad for everybody who was affected. I've personally had things stolen from me. I mean, just uh, like a couple years ago, I was at the grocery store with my baby and I put my purse in the cart and somebody walked out with my wallet, which back then when we were a new treatment center, it had no money. I I had no money for groceries. I mean, when you got angry about the purse, you stopped yourself. Yeah, I go, this is, here we go. Karma baby. Um, but what I will say is this, that, um, you know, I hope that I hope that Orlando Bloom, who was I was only involved with one burglary, and I hope that he knows that um, my living amends. I'll never be able to make amends to the degree that I need to, but my living amends is the work that I'm doing today. And so, do I regret it? I can't live with regrets. You can only learn from your past and acknowledge that I literally know that I would have died had I not had all of those things happen. And so in some way I can say, thank you, Orlando Bloom for saving my life. That's all I can Amen. say. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Uh, that's a great question. Well, though, both of you. It's a huge like fiasco yeah. on TV and all that stuff. It's like, you might not have the platform you have now, uh, even if you still got sober and stayed yes. alive and stuff. It's like now the whole fiasco has turned into this platform where you can like, help other people and reach other people. So 100%. And that's what I mean when I say living amends, all of the work I do, all of the work at the treatment center, all of the work here at Aloe, all of the work with this podcast and the book and all of the things that I'm doing, you know, it's part for me. If we're being honest, I need to make a living. Um, Not that I'm making a living off this podcast because... (laughs) I'm not yet sponsors. <laughs> hook it up. Um, but what I will say is oh, that <laughs> exactly. But um, <laughs> we need way more sponsors than that. But what I will say is this, that um, I'm doing this for the collective. I'm doing this so that way people do realize that despite the amount of trauma that you've incurred, that you can recover, that we do recover. We can do this thing. And so um, thank you so much for all of your questions. I really, really appreciate them. That was really funny. And um, I love to make a show a little bit more lighthearted. And anytime I can be self-deprecating, I am. <laughs> I am and will be. And so it is. If you guys liked this episode, do me a solid head over to the podcast app and make sure that you are subscribed to recovering from reality not just subscribed but give me five stars if you really liked it comment make a review i really appreciate it and if you're listening on your phone you could even screenshot a picture of you listening and tag me up on instagram and i'll do my best to share it within the community so thanks for listening you guys and i hope you loved this episode